Amen. You can be seated if you can this morning. My goodness gracious. I'm excited. I am excited. Anybody else excited? I'm excited. I'm excited about what God is doing in me, what he's doing in this church. I'm just excited. I'm excited about the Super Bowl party tonight. Oh, my goodness gracious. Listen, if you haven't been planning on being at the Super Bowl party tonight, let me encourage you. Be there. It's going to be awesome. Well, I don't like to watch football. Well, there's more stuff to do than just football. We're going to have all kinds of games going on in here. The Texas Hold'em Championship of the church is going to be put on the line tonight. Maybe there's somebody in here that can knock Thomas off his throne and walk out of here with the trophy. My goodness gracious, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. The point, though, is to invite friends to this thing. All right, here's pulling it back. You guys watching online, this is a secret, okay? So this is, uh, this is a strategy known as a connection event. So we do something fun in the church that people can invite their friends to. That's not really churchy, but it's a great place for those people to build relationships and friendships with other people. So that we can invite them into church so that God can just blow it up and do something awesome in their life. That's what it's all about. Okay, that's the point. That's the focus. Everything we do here at Eastgate Church, we do for a reason. Um, so if football's not your thing, come on, hang out, play some board games, eat some good food. We're going to have some groceries tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I know we're going to have groceries tonight, and here's why. We're asking everyone to bring your favorite football food, whether it's wings or barbecue or burgers, and bring a little bit extra to share with others. I know the people in this church. We're going to be begging people driving down the road to take food tonight because we bring a lot of food to these events. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. We're going to have hot grills out front. So if you don't want what people are bringing, you just want a steak, we've got a grill for you to cook a steak tonight or some burgers, whatever, dogs, whatever. We're going to have you taken care of tonight so that we can just hang out, have some fun, build relationships, and maybe connect with some people and see them come into the church. How amazing is that? So that's what we're doing tonight. So if you haven't planned on being at the Super Bowl party, let me encourage you. Come on. Come on. We're going to have some fun. And you know the cool thing about this thing? When we watch the Super Bowl tonight, we're going to watch the Super Bowl tonight. You know what I mean? A big old screen. So um, if you have a screen bigger than this at your house, I need to get to know you. <laughs> need to get to know you. We need to watch some movies. I love big screens and big sounds. So. <laughs> uh, hey, today ends our 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. Come on. Are we celebrating because it's over? Or are we celebrating because of what God's done over the last 21 days? Kind of a little bit of both. Oh, my goodness. Boy, I got hungry at one point like I have not been hungry at all. I got so hungry, Crystal started looking good to me when I was driving down the road. You know you're getting hungry when Crystal's starts to look good to you. Um, I watched a guy on a, a bushcraft video frying up some spam and eggs, and I thought, that looks kind of good. You know you've been fasting a little too long when spam and eggs looks good. So we're, but we're moving out of this season because we wanted to start the, the, the year getting before the Lord and hearing his direction, not just for us corporately as a church, but individually, okay? Making sure that we are accomplishing what God wants us to do as a church 
and as individuals in this church. I think that's very important. Um, setting plans before you consult the Lord is a bad idea. Okay, we want his plan, not our best idea. We want his plan. So what we're doing today is now we're transitioning from prayer and fasting into talking about over the next three weeks what we as a church can do this year to impact our community and our state for Jesus. Okay, that's what we're doing. How many of you think a little bit of strategy in the church house is a good thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a great thing. So tomorrow night at Elevate, let me encourage you uh, to be here. Uh, we're going to kind of pull back the curtains a little bit and give you the inside scoop on some stuff that's coming up that nobody else is really going to hear for a few more weeks. Um, so if you want to know the inside scoop, tomorrow night at Elevate is where you want to be. But this is about us going all in for Jesus this year. All in. All in in our calling, all in in everything that he desires for us to be. All in as a church and as individuals for God's best for our lives. So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to go all in. Today, I want to talk to you for a little bit about spiritual legacy. Spiritual legacy. How many of you know that this time we have on this earth is very limited? How many of you know that this time we have on this earth should not be all about us? It should be about what we pass on to the spiritual generation behind us and what we do with our lives to make as much impact as we possibly can for the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what it should be about. And so we're going to talk about going all in next Sunday. We're going to celebrate all the amazing things that the Lord did through the ministries of our church last year, and we have got a ton to celebrate. By the way, um, last week's message went out on 104.5 My City this morning at 10 o'clock. It's going to replay again at 8 o'clock. God has still given us favor in the messages from this church. I can, still can't believe this, but they are reaching a potential audience of millions of people now every week. Guys, God is opening up doors for us. We're seeing him move and give us favor in the city with events. I can't wait to, to share with you what um, the calendar is going to begin to look like. Uh, oh, my gosh. We're going to be such a busy church impacting this community for the kingdom of God. There's a lot going on. But God won't do anything through a church that he's not already doing through the individuals in the church. You understand? Um, too many times we rest on the pastor's shoulders and the staff's shoulders. And it's not about that. If we're going to be a correct New Testament church, this has to be about what we can do to make a spiritual impact on lives, to leave a spiritual legacy. How many of y'all have ever heard of a guy named Victor Dorman? Victor Dorman. He's real famous. This is what he looks like. This is a real old picture, so I know the quality is a little bad. Um, he's an old guy. Lived a long, 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 long time ago. Victor Dorman. His legacy is, are y'all ready for this? Game changer for the world. He came up with the idea of putting paper in between the slices of cheese. Oh. Yeah, game changer. So, so you had to deal with the frustration of cheese sticking to itself, trying to make a sandwich or putting that stuff on a hamburger or whatever else, you know, that sliced cheese. He's responsible for having the idea of, hey, why don't we put some paper in between that cheese? And it made him a lot of money. He actually patented the piece of paper that goes between the cheese. Man, I'm just saying, you know you're living in crazy times when you've got a patent 
a square piece of paper that goes in between slices of cheese, you know. But that is his legacy. That is what he did to contribute to the world. That's what he did to make an impact on the world. And it's great. So every time you're getting a piece of cheese, think about Victor. Think about Victor. Be grateful that your cheese isn't sticking together. The problem with that is when this world burns up, that contribution is gone. It's not going to last forever. There's a limit to it. And I think too many times we focus on our lives and what we can do to make an impact on this world. And I think that's not a bad thing. But I think maybe we should challenge ourselves a little bit more to think about what we can do to make an impact on this world that lasts after we're gone into eternity. A spiritual impact on people's lives. In fact, spiritual legacy, if you're looking for a definition, is the, in, the e eternal impact of our lives. The eternal impact of our lives. Question for you. I'm going to ask a few questions today. Is that okay? You guys watching online, I'm going to ask some questions. All right. Right now, what is the eternal impact of your life? If you died right now, what's the eternal legacy, the spiritual legacy that you leave behind? Is it paper in between cheese? Or are you making a difference for the kingdom of God? All in for him. Our life all in for him. So that he can use us to impact as many lives as possible to his glory, to advance his kingdom as far as we possibly can while there's breath in our lungs. That is the spiritual legacy that I believe if you look at scripture, God's calling all of us to attain to. Here's a good filter question. What are we doing with our lives that is going to matter 10 billion years from now. That's, that's a lot more important than cheese. That's a whole lot more important than who's going to win the Super Bowl tonight. Now, how many cheese fans we got in the house? One. How many Philadelphia fans we got in the house tonight? All right. So it's, it's way more important than that. Everybody's excited about Super Bowl this year. Halfway forgot about Super Bowl last year or the year before or the year before that because it just comes and goes and it fades, will it matter 10 billion years from now? It's not going to matter. What matters is what matters 10 billion years from now. See, at all of the book of Revelation is going to be fulfilled. Jesus is going to come back for his church. The tribulation is going to happen. The millennial reign is going to be set up on the earth for a thousand years. Jesus is going to run this thing like he's supposed to. Then, when it's all said and done, um, the devil is going to land in the lake of fire. I love that. He's going to get what he deserves. All that, all that picking on us he's done, he's got it coming, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you. So, I love all of that. Um, the new heaven and the new earth will be created and that's where we're going to spend eternity ruling and reigning with Christ. Yeah. Ten billion years into that eternity, it will have just started. I want to give you some perspective this morning because this life is so temporary and eternity is so long. It's so long. Honestly, our lives 
if we just look at what we can do in the confines of making this world a better place, it's almost wasted. We need to be thinking about what we can do to make an impact for eternity. What's going on in your life that's going to be relevant in 10 billion years? How many people are you going to take to heaven with you? How many lives could God use you to impact and change? There's a lot of people that desperately need Jesus. Spiritual legacy. Spiritual legacy. How many of you heard of a guy named Moses? Yeah, we're in church. Hopefully you have. Let me walk you through some stuff that happened in the life of Moses. Moses was a key guy in the Old Testament. Um, led the children of Israel out of Egypt to the banks of the Jordan River to see the promised land and eventually set them up to cross over. Moses was a phenomenal leader. Moses had some issues. So if you got some issues this morning, be encouraged. God can still use you even if you have some issues. Amen. His strength is made perfect in our weakness sometimes. Deuteronomy chapter 34. I want to give you an oversight of this legacy thing in Scripture. Because we've got to be investing in the spiritual generation that comes up behind us. Right? Whether they're student age or in their mid-50s, we've got to be investing in them. Because they're the ones that carry the standard after we're gone. Deuteronomy 34, verse 4. Then the Lord said to him, him is Moses. He says, this is a land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross, cross over into it. That's a bum deal. That's a bum deal. You lead everybody out to the banks of the Jordan. You don't get to cross over into the promised land. Um... I love that the Lord kind of breaks this down and shows, one, his promise, but that his promise or the advancement of his kingdom, the vision that was given to the people of Israel, was not accomplished in one generation. Multiple generations were needed in order to accomplish the vision that God had given Abraham. He gave it to Abraham. Abraham passed it on to Isaac. Jacob was a little wonky, but he finally got his feet under him spiritually, and God used him. God used Joseph to take the people of Israel into Egypt so they could be protected on the next step so that Moses could come in and see them delivered from Egypt into the land that God had called them to. But this didn't happen with just one generation. What would have happened if... Isaac would have said, you know what, I'm tapping out. What would have happened if Jacob would have said, you know what, that's all about my dad and them. This isn't me. I'm going to do me and just live my life. What if they hadn't participated? What if Moses would have bowed down to his fear instead of listening to the Lord, encouraging him through that burning bush? You remember when Moses was cranking out all the excuses on why he couldn't do what God was asking him to do? And God said, yeah, we're going to just stick with this for a little bit because you are going to do what I'm asking you to do. Uh, and it, multiple generations were needed. Multiple generations were needed to accomplish the vision and God's will for the nation of Israel. Then in Deuteronomy um, 34 and verse 9, just a few verses down, Moses has passed away. 
and Joshua is now stepping in to lead the nation of Israel. It says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Joshua was Moses' assistant, Scripture says. He was right there, his right-hand man. Okay? Moses was preparing and developing Joshua so that Joshua could carry on after Moses was gone. It says that Joshua operated in wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. Moses and Joshua were in close proximity with one another. You know, in order for us to be able to invest in other people spiritually, you've got to be close to them. You've got to be intentional with the relationship. And that's what Moses was with Joshua. So it goes from Moses to Joshua. Joshua steps in. He takes the children of Israel across the Jordan River. And buddy, they start hacking and chopping and claiming the land. Because God said, this is the promised land. I've given it to you, but you're going to have to fight for it. So they go in and fight the battles, knowing that the Lord was going to give them the victory in the battle. So the walls of Jericho fall, and you can look through and see amazing victories as Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land. The fulfillment of the promise, the vision that God had had. Multiple generations later, Joshua has the people of Israel in there. They conquer the land, and then they go through the process of dividing what tribe is going to get what land and once they get all that settled, Joshua brings them all together again just to remind them of the legacy spiritually that they have been given. And he challenged the people in Israel. He goes, don't forget what the Lord has done. Don't forget how faithful he has been. Don't forget that the land you're standing in right now was promised to us hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So don't get distracted and chase after these false idols and these false gods, but you stay focused on him. And then he drops a bomb and he goes, listen, you choose what you want to do with your household, but as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. He establishes that legacy again in them, and they say, you know what, Joshua, you're right. We're going to be dialed in to God. He's been so faithful. And then some time passes. And their battles are fought. The land's divided. They... They, they're in this land now, and they begin to make a life for themselves. Well, we get in trouble sometimes when we begin to make a life for ourselves that are consulting what God wants to do with the life that he's given us. In Judges chapter 2, one of the biggest indictments against a group of people ever is listed. It says, after that whole generation, Joshua and the elders, after they had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up. Look at this, who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. One generation removed from that group of people that stood around Joshua and said, yes, we are not gonna forget. We're gonna be faithful. And we're going to stay true to our God. One generation later. It's not that they were lukewarm. 
this generation coming up. It's not that they were confused. The Bible says that they didn't know the Lord, nor what he had done for Israel. Their mothers and fathers who were probably alive, some of them, when they were led out of Egypt, saw the plagues maybe, at least heard about it. The crossing of the Red Sea, the defeat of Pharaoh's army as the waves came crashing down, the crossing of the Jordan River, the fall of the walls of Jericho, how God drove the enemies of Israel out and did miraculous things and gave them victories they should not have had. This generation got comfortable making a life for themselves and got distracted and forgot about passing on that spiritual legacy. So their kids grew up without knowing who Jesus was or the Lord. They grew up not even knowing what the Lord had done. That is a travesty. It's a travesty. And I think sometimes we could be guilty of that too. We get so caught up with life and so caught up with what's going on that we get distracted and comfortable building a life for ourselves and we forget about living the life that Jesus died for us to live. Y'all got weird looks on your faces. Let me encourage you. Today's a great day to change. Today's a great day to change. Uh, you think, well, Pastor Josh, I get what you're saying, but I just don't think that my life can make that big of a difference in the world or make a big of a difference over the years in other people's lives. I don't know that I can leave a spiritual legacy that's really going to make a difference. And I've got to tell you, um, it's not so much about you, it's about what God does through you. All you got to do is get the obedience part right and let God do the rest in and through you. I learned something this week I never knew before. Um, have you all heard of a guy named Max Jukes? Yeah, me either. So I've been looking up all this stuff. Um, in the early 1900s, somebody thought it would be neat to compare the genealogy of Max Jukes and Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, um, probably one of the strongest preachers in recent history. Um, amazing things happened through his ministry. And they thought, well, we want to see what the generational impact is between a man of God and this Jukes guy who was a known criminal and just a bad seed. And so they tracked the generations. This is just amazing to me. Max Jukes, the criminal, his lineage had 440 people or that were outright wrecked by alcohol addiction. 440 of his descendants were wrecked because of alcoholism. Isn't that crazy? 310 of his descendants were paupers and vagrants. It means they lived in poverty. Alcoholics and poverty-ridden people. 190 public prostitutes through his lineage. 150 convicted criminals. They noted 300 premature deaths in his descendants. 60 Habitual thieves, this is outside of the 150 people that were convicted for other crimes. Uh, 60 habitual thieves in his lineage. 67 suffered from syphilis, oh Lord. Seven murderers. 
Seven murderers. That's his legacy. Because of the focus of his life and how he lived his life. The curses that continued through his bloodline because he didn't stop them and put an end to it. The abuse, the damage, all passed on. Jonathan Edwards, on the other hand, is, this is amazing. This man of God, listen to this, in his lineage, 300 pastors, missionaries, and theological professors. That's amazing. 300 people making a difference in ministry. 65 college professors descended from Jonathan Edwards. 110 lawyers, 60 doctors, 60 authors of good books. I like good books. You know what I mean? Like they didn't publish up something they thought was cool and then send it to like the, give us $40, we'll print you a book publisher. You know what I mean? And then they try to market themselves on Facebook and go to Amazon and get my book and all this stuff. No, they had good books. 30 judges, 14 presidents of universities, 285 college graduates, Uncountable giants in American industry were connected to Jonathan Edwards somehow, some way. Three U.S. senators and one vice president of the United States. From one person. Now that's a spiritual legacy. The, the family of Max Jukes, uh, it, it's estimated that in today's currency they cost society about $35.5 million. Jonathan Edwards' descendants have contributed countless billions of dollars to society through their achievements. All of this, you think one person can't make a difference? I'm here to tell you, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. What you choose to do with your life trickles down and affects your immediate family and those connected. You can pass on a spiritual legacy. Even if you didn't receive one from your family, even if your family tree is jacked up and it might look like it's full of criminals and drug abusers and sexual uh, abusers, listen, that doesn't mean it has to go any further than you. You can end it in Jesus' name and you can pass on the legacy legacy that Jesus died for you to pass on, Amen. impacting and changing the lives around you. I'm thinking, why do people struggle with this sometimes? What, what, what stands in the way of establishing a spiritual legacy with our lives and living beyond what's for us and putting our eyes on what's going to make a kingdom impact in other people's lives? And um, the Lord kind of started speaking to me, and the first thing he dropped in my spirit as it pertains to us is selfishness. Selfishness. Well, I don't consider myself to be a selfish person, Pastor. Well, look at this stuff you got on you right here. Everybody got skin? All right. If everybody's got skin, that means you're still living in your body. So that means you've got to contend with this stuff called flesh, right? This is what I know about churches. When left to themselves, churches will always become inwardly focused if we don't keep ourselves in check. We'll become about programs and ministries inside the walls of the church, and we'll forget about the ministry that should be happening outside the walls of the church. The same thing happens in our lives. If we go unchecked by the word and we go unchecked by people like me just giving reminders from the pulpit, if we go unchecked, we will naturally drift back to a selfish state. 
if we are not close to God and letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives. So it's, it's feasible that anybody in this room, myself included, if we drift enough, we can become incredibly selfish with our lives. So here's a problem with selfishness. Selfishness puts us on an island and spiritually isolates us. Selfish people are not close to God. Right. Um, selfish people, why? Why do you say that, Josh? Because love and selfishness cannot coexist with one another. You can't be close to God, full of his love, and be full of selfishness at the same time. Self-will has to die. Most people don't think that they're selfish. Let me ask you some questions. I told you this is going to be question day, so let me ask you some questions. Everybody say, Pastor. Pastor. Ask away. Ask away. All right. Are we selfish? Let's see here. Do you find yourself requesting prayer for yourself more than you pray for others? Well, that's, that's a good litmus test right there. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Why are we always saying pray for me, pray for me, pray for me? Now, getting prayer is good, but what happens is most people can't. I'm going to give you a profile shot. See my nose right here? Most people can't see past the nose on their face when it comes to what's happening in their lives. So we get self-absorbed in our struggles. And we can't see past the battles that we're facing in life. And instead of living like overcomers, we live like victims to what's happening around us. And so we focus on what's happening here. Our problems here, our problems there. And we get self-absorbed in it. Anything that puts the focus heavily on you and lightly on our Savior is not a place that you want to be. Okay? And you'll find yourself talking about the financial struggles that you have. This is why I know some of us are wrestling with this stuff because all I hear you say out of your mouth is, ah, oh, we're broke. Ah, oh, we, we need a financial miracle. And that may be reality, but what comes out of your mouth tells me what's happening in your heart because the Bible says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you put yourself in a rut with speaking the struggle over and over and over again instead of speaking life and trusting scripture and putting God to the test and letting him provide. Amen. So we, we struggle about how lonely we are. Always talking about I need a man. I need a woman. Or I need a new job. Well my truck broke down. All you talk about is what's going on wrong with the world. We're self-absorbed of what's going on in our lives and I want to challenge you in the name of Jesus to break that pattern. Lift up your eyes. Focus them on the Lord because you are here to do more than just struggle with what's happening in your life. There's a world burning around us that is in desperate need of a Savior. We're the only ones with that answer. Don't let the devil distract you. Let me read you some scripture. Now, some of this be a little bit hard to swallow because we're used to getting, depending on your church background, built up a lot and not a lot of correction or perspective brought into our lives. Matthew chapter 16, whew, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 2, it says, Set your mind on things above, 
Not on earthly things. Not on all this junk. Be responsible. Do what you need to do. But let your heart, set your minds on things above, on eternal things, having an eternal perspective. Then there's a great reminder. It says, for you died. that make you want to shout. You died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It's a reminder that, hey, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. And if we're following Jesus, listen, we took the deal that said we're going to deny ourselves. And we want to talk about the love of God and the grace of God and the blessings of God. And those are great and those are true. But don't forget what Jesus says. If you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to divorce yourself from the life that you formerly lived and start thinking fresh and anew. Those that are in Christ are a new creation. The the old is gone, the new has come. Start thinking like the new creation. Put off the old stuff. Get rid of that selfishness. Put your eyes on me. Set your hearts on the things above. Live your life for the eternal. Live a life that's going to leave a spiritual legacy of impact in others. Second thing I think that you could bring to bear on this is complacency. If you look at the people of Israel, they got a little selfish, and they got complacent. They got focused on building their lives, and they let their walk with God drop a few levels. They got complacent. They already won the victory. They had the land. They got the blessing. They got the new job. It's amazing to me how intense we can be sometimes in the middle of a storm and seeking after God, but then when we get on the other side of it, we shift back a few gears and just start coasting spiritually. And that's what they were doing. Complacency. Spiritual complacency is the product of self-deception. Spiritual complacency is the product of self-deception. <clears throat> and James, scripture says it, don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves but do what it says. Do what it says. It's funny. And if, if we're living a life where we're just hearing the word, but we're not applying the word, Scripture points out the fact that, you know what? We're deceiving ourselves into thinking that the standard of the word of God is somehow different or changed for us. Most people will say, well, I'm not complacent at all, Pastor Josh. I'm here every Sunday. I'm, I'm doing my best to serve the Lord, and I get you. And this is what my prayer is, that on the tail end of 21 days of prayer and fasting, <laughs> that none of us are spiritually complacent. But I know how this stuff right here works. How's your relationship with God? These questions today. How's your relationship with God? I'm not complacent. Okay, when was the last time you opened your word and you spent time in prayer? Just you and him hanging out. Okay? Just some questions. Now, I'm not asking these questions to make you feel guilty. All right, guilt is dumb. All right, we don't go for behavior modification around here at this church. All right, what we want is the Holy Spirit to convict and bring about his change in our lives so that we have life transformation. That's radically different. When he's talking to you, that's awesome, okay? Me, 
My job is to give you the word. His job is to do the work in your heart, okay? So how's, how's your walk with God? Here's another confrontational question. Um, when was the last time you personally led someone to Jesus? That's the look I get on people's faces most of the time. Personally. See, we all are called to accomplish the Great Commission, yeah? So what does that mean? Um, tell people about Jesus. See them get saved. Disciple them. See them grow up in their faith. Help people grow spiritually. When's the last time you led somebody to the Lord? When's the last time you invited somebody to church? See, the big accomplishment for too many of us in church, not just here at Eastgate, but in church, capital C church, especially in America, is that we got ourselves there today. We got our family there. And if you came today, listen, I just, I'm so glad you're in the house today. If you're watching online, I'm so glad that you're watching today. But if we're called to reach the world, and we're not reaching the world, and if we're called to tell people about Jesus, and we're not telling them about Jesus, then what does that say about our spiritual passion? You know what I mean? Um, so, are you leading people to the Lord? Are you helping to disciple people and see them grow spiritually? See, this is stuff that doesn't get talked about because we have gotten used to having the bar set so God blessed low in the church. I refuse to stand in this pulpit and preach some kind of stupid marshmallow fluff to you. We're going to stand on the word of God. And when I stand before him, it's gonna, I'm going to stand before him knowing that I preach the word to you. I'm telling you right now. Where is our spiritual passion? When's the last time you were involved in serving in the church? Well, I've, I, I don't like the word volunteer. You volunteer at the YMCA. Okay? You serve the Lord in church, so we serve here. Well, how can you accomplish God's call on your life and see your gifts and your talents plugged into his kingdom to make an eternal impact on others if you're not involved in the church that God has called you to? We're too used to showing up. You know? Now I know that there are seasons to sit and rest and wait and let God restore and I get all of that, you know, but you've got to pick up that shield and that sword and get busy. Right. So complacency makes a big difference. Are we complacent? Are we selfish? And I had to look back at my life and think, you know what, sometimes for me personally, yeah. And I've got to keep myself in check with the Word of God, and that's my challenge to you today. Put yourself in check. Because you can't leave a spiritual legacy focused on yourself. And God can't use you to impact the world from a place of comfort. You look back on all the people in Scripture that God used, none of them were comfortable. None of them. Why is all this important, Pastor Josh? Well, here's why. How many of y'all saw the Grammys last week? See all that? Well, let me show you a picture of this performance. This group got up and did a performance of this song called Unholy. It's a song that 
just exalts Satanism. And at one point in the song, uh, you can see the people kind of, the dancers up on him and worshiping him. You can see him doing the tongue in the mouth. That's a pagan god symbol. Um, this next photo gives you a better picture of the set, what's going on. Basically, a satanic ritual and worship on stage. And I've watched pastors lose their mind all week about this. Slamming the Grammys, slamming the Christian artists that were at the Grammys that didn't walk out and protest and, and all of this stuff while this was going on. And this, is, this is one of the most horrible pagan displays we've ever seen. And yeah, yeah, it's horrible. But this is the world being the world. This is the world in desperate need of a savior. And some people look at this and they get mad. And some people watch the news and they get mad. And I see this and my heart breaks because I see people that desperately need to know the love of the Savior that's changed my life. We live in a world that needs Jesus. We live in a world that needs us. Did you know that 79% of teens will abuse alcohol or drugs before the 12th grade. See, that's our kids. That's the students that our kids are going to school with. It's that next generation that's in desperate need of someone to pass a spiritual legacy onto them instead of living within the four walls of themselves. One in four eighth graders will abuse alcohol or drugs before the... That, that's crazy to me. 65% of teens have sex before the 12th grade. One in four ninth graders will do the same. It's crazy. It's our sons. It's our daughters. 750,000 teen girls by the numbers approximately will become pregnant this year. Some will deliver, some will have abortions. Why do they reach out to drugs? Why do they reach out to alcohol? Why, why are they so confused? Why is the suicide rate in our next generation so high? They're in desperate need of receiving a spiritual legacy from you and from me. They're in desperate need of a savior. So they turn to the alcohol to bury the pain or escape the pressure of life, and they go to the drugs to escape the pressure of the abuse in their home or the sexual abuse they may be experiencing instead of knowing that they can turn to a Savior who can heal and restore and put them back together. They need Jesus. People that you work with, they need Jesus. The year 2020 the, through 2021, when the pandemic hit the hardest, one-third of all churchgoers stopped attending church. Not stopped attending church and started watching online. Dropped off the map and didn't come back. Why? You can come up with a lot of reasons and point a lot of fingers. Probably selfishness, probably complacency. 
maybe because there was nobody there to help disciple them and help them establish their feet and live and continuing the spiritual legacy that we pass on to the next person. Our world is in a mess. It needs a savior. It's our job to bring that savior to the world. What are you living for? And what are you doing right now that will be of value 10 billion years from now? You can't say you're all in for Jesus without being all in for Jesus. I don't know about you. My heart breaks when I see these numbers. My heart breaks when I drive down the road and I see all these people caught up in their lives, oblivious to what's waiting on them. Then my heart breaks when I think about churches gathering all across this country, just going through the motions and people being happy to just be there to receive. And we, we become like spiritual dead seas where we're always receiving and receiving and receiving and nothing's being poured back out. I don't want that to be us. I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be me. I want us to be the church that passes on a spiritual legacy to the next generation to accomplish the advancement of the kingdom of God. I don't want to stand in front of him and have him say, why were you so absorbed in your life? Why were you so overwhelmed by paying the bills instead of trusting me to work it out? If you would have done what scripture says and just sought first my kingdom and my righteousness I would have added to you all of that stuff that you needed instead of trying to do things on your own and getting caught up in selfishness and complacency I want to stand in front of him I want him to smile I want him to say come on in good and faithful servant I want to cross over into eternity and see person after person after person that was impacted and changed by the presence of God. There's something called simple obedience. I want, I want to see all of you there and I want to see all of the people that we can reach an impact for the kingdom of God together. If we could just get our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on him, wholeheartedly going all in for the call that he's placed on us. Guys, we can make a huge difference in this world for Jesus can make a huge difference in this world. And it starts with us. You know, I remember in the Old Testament, there's a story about this guy called Shama. Shammah's a bad dude. Shammah lived in this village, and these Philistines would come in, and they would rob the crops every year that they had planted and lead people without anything. Shammah said, you know what? I've had enough of this junk. I'm tired of the enemy coming in and robbing us of what belongs to us. So that joker drew his sword, the Bible says, and just took them all on. 
and just started swinging and fighting and defending the crops. He dug in and stood his ground and said, you're not getting one more bean out of this field. Enough is enough. I'm putting y'all on notice. If you want it, you got to come through me. And the Bible says he dropped every single one of them and defended the field. Maybe it's time we took that position spiritually for our children, for this generation, for the country that we're living in right now. Say, you know what? Enough of the raiding, enough of the robbing, enough of the destruction. We need to raise up a remnant against the enemy. We need to go to war and prayer like never before. We need to evangelize and share our faith like never before. We need to get in the closet of prayer and get full of the Holy Spirit and walk out into this community in power and see the blind eyes open. See the deaf ears open. Watch the dead rise from the grave. Watch the cancer patients get healed. Watch God do what God does through the life of someone who is fully submitted to him. I feel the presence of God so strong in here right now. We need that spirit and attitude that Shama had where he says, yes, enough is enough. Enough is enough. And I don't know how you've lived your life up until now, but this is what I know. We have this moment to change we have this, one, this moment to let the Word of God do its work in our lives. We have this moment to step out of selfishness and to step out of complacency. We have this moment to renew the intensity and the passion to get our eyes off of the problems of life and put our eyes on the solution to all the problems. You know what? Jesus never said that he would heal every disease. Jesus never said that he would pay every bill. Jesus never said that we would never have trouble. He said you're going to have to walk through it, but in spite of all of it deny yourself pick up your cross follow me submit yourself to me and let me do something new through you right. you break the pattern of the old and establish the pattern of the new how many of you are feeling what I'm feeling this morning need to leave a spiritual legacy we've got to impact the lives that are around us Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Father, thank you for your presence in this place, for what you've done and for what you're doing now. Father, I just bind every distraction, every hindrance. I bind every lie of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place and speak to us. Speak to us. This is what I'm feeling. I just, I just feel like we need to have a time of prayer. Personally, for some of our stuff, but we need to pray and intercede. We need to intercede for our students. We need to intercede for our kids. We need to intercede for the people at work. We need to intercede. If you're here this morning, let me do it like this. If you're here this morning and you're feeling what I'm feeling, and you've got that passion in you to pass on that spiritual legacy, to live a life that's going to matter 10 billion years from now, doing what God has called you to do. If that's you, I want to challenge you right now. Get out of your seat. Get out of your aisle. And I want you to respond to this altar call. I want you to come up here, and I want you to pray with me today. We're going to intercede. Pastor, I want to leave a spiritual legacy with my life. Maybe you haven't so far. And it's time to change. Maybe you have been and it's time to dial it up for it to another level.
a spiritual legacy. Can you imagine that day? When this world ends and real life finally begins and we're able to look out and see all of the lives that the Lord was able to impact and change through us. That, that is worth giving everything up for in my book that's worth that's worth divorcing myself from the problems and the situations and the circumstances so that I can be made available to be used by God there are people all around us that are in desperate need of the Savior that we have in our hearts guys let's leave the legacy he's called us to leave Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just submit everything to you. It's all yours, Father. God, if we need to repent for selfishness in our heart, and Lord, we do that right now. If we need to repent for complacency that we've allowed to come in, Lord, we do that right now. Father, we lay our lives down before you. Lord, we trust you. We trust you to begin the work in us that's needed. Let that old go. Let that new be established in us spiritually. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you begin to infill and equip and empower us to live the life that you have called us to live. Lord, we will not be common. We will not live a normal life. We'll live the life that you said that we could live, Father, making a difference for your kingdom. Lord, our eyes will be focused on you, Lord, and our spirits be sensitive to your voice as you lead and guide us and tell us what to do, who to pray for, who to intercede for, Father, who to lift up in prayer before you, Lord, who to talk to about your Savior. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I call us into focus like never before, Lord, and we join together, Lord, to raise up a standard against the enemy in the name of Jesus. We refuse to stand by and watch this world burn up when we can contribute and make a difference for your kingdom, Lord. We refuse to be silenced by the enemy or refuse to be intimidated by him or to be put back by the situations in our life, God. We will be who you've called us to be and we will boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and advance your kingdom, Lord, and leave a legacy that is actually going to matter for eternity. Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise in this place. We give you praise in this place, Father. We give you praise in this place, Father. Or the enemy's busy trying to deceive, trying to destroy households all around us. Father, we put him on notice in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, not on our watch. Not on our watch. Not on our watch, Father. Lord, draw this generation back to you. Lord, is this country and this world just further and further away from you? God, I pray that your church, not just Eastgate Church, but the church, 
will get white hot with passion for you like never before and refuse to live anything less than what the Word of God says we can live in our lives. To get busy about the Great Commission, leaving the legacy you've called us to leave and change lives, to go into the world, to preach the good news, to make disciples, to do something with our lives for your glory that will echo in eternity. Lord, let us live for something bigger than ourselves. Father, we just go all in for you this morning. On the tail end of praying and fasting and seeking after you, Lord, you do something in us so that you can do something through us. Father, let us not forget that and all the seeking and all the receiving and all the, the blessing and all the answers to prayer that you poured out on us over these last 21 days and will continue to do. Lord, it's not just for us to hold in. Lord, let us keep ourselves in a position to be used by you. We just give you glory. We just give you praise, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your reminder today, for the truth of your word, and for the fruit of the harvest that's going to come from the decisions that were made today. Lord, we give you praise in this place. We give you praise in this place. In Jesus' powerful, powerful name. Let's give him praise in the house this morning. He is so worthy. So worthy.